long, long day. I got a lot to say. It feels like I'm carrying a two-ton weight. I go see a friend. Hello, I'm Monsignor Patrick Winslow. And I am Father Matthew Kauth. And we are speaking from the rooftop. A podcast brought to you by Tan Books, in which we invite you to join our conversation out here in the open air. Where we look out upon the world around us from the rooftop of the church and share with you what we see. Makes me Hello there. Greetings and welcome back to From the Rooftop. I gotta say, the other day, I received a glorious little gift. Remember, I think we had one time in which someone gave us some mittens, hand on mittens and oh, yeah. other things, remember? Oh yeah, because we're on the roof. Because we're on the roof. And someone dropped off um, a bottle of bourbon in case we got chilly up here, <laughs> which I just thought was a great idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. So, are you fishing? Shout out to that. No, 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 no. <laughs> One must stay sober. But uh, you know, it's funny. You know, in the Northeast, um, as a priest up there in upstate New York, I would run into you know parishioners at the liquor store because you have to buy your wine at the liquor store. You have to buy everything at the liquor store. You can't buy wine in the grocery store. Mm. So you buy everything at the liquor store. So you run into all sorts of people, and they're buying you know, scotch and whiskey and bourbon and, and the stuff for the holidays as well as their wines. It was common to see a priest walk in and see all these people. I moved down here. Oh, yeah. And people looked at me like I was in an adult bookstore. I was walking in to a you know, to a, like a liquor store. Yeah. And I'm like, what is, why am I getting glared at? Mm -hmm. And it would have, you would have thought I was in a place of ill repute. Yeah. And it was such a cultural difference between the North and the South. That's true. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many counties here that are dry. The restaurants, right? <laughs> I, I didn't understand. So it's a complete difference mm -hmm. uh, between the uh, the Northeast experience. Uh, maybe and you feel guilty, right? Because you think, okay, I am fulfilling, I don't want to, I don't want to I scandalize people. I am fulfilling the narrative of whatever this particular uh, um, denomination is about egg. priests. <laughs> so one time. But if they're in there, mm -hmm. that's what I always said to myself. Yes. Wait a minute. If you're a if you're a particular denomination that has a problem with this, you shouldn't be in here either. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> so, um, you know, it always elicited a comment or two from the yes. person behind the counter. Yes. Uh, you know, when you're in the collar, and I said, "Well, I come to where you work. You should come to where I work." Yeah, exactly. It's a good. It's a good. <laughs> to, the, to the invite, but you know, it's true. The, the cultural perceptions of these sorts of things, but. What made me think about it is, you know, somebody giving the, the gift of like a bourbon or whatever. That was a very common gift in the Northeast yeah. is to get a, a bottle. I think scotch was very common. Scotch was more common then. I think the, the cler clerical culture of scotch up there is oh, closer to Kentucky here. So I think it's probably Well, that's bourbon. true. It was a bourbon. But that was a very common Do you uh, remember, though, this is probably one of my funniest moments ever in an ABC store. Um, so to fill you all in, Father Winslow had just been assigned to a new parish. And what we try to do when a priest friend of ours gets assigned a new assignment is to not have them enter that assignment alone because that's always a bit unnerving and unsettling. And so a bunch of us got together and we helped him move and we moved him into his, his new rectory. And we had been, we've done this several times because we've all been moved several times. Um, and so we get everything set up and we're going to make some dinner together, et cetera, and spend the night and say some prayers and what have you. So invariably, you're looking to set up your bar. 
right? You want to make sure you have the drinks for the guys that come, whatever else. And and so we went off to the ABC store, um, which is what the liquor store is down here in North Carolina. And we just got all the, the staples, basically. So whoever came, they would have what they wanted. So all the basic staples. I seem make, to recall we had to walk out with, with to a, make box. a box. And so we had to walk out with a box. Like a big And it was box. clear that we were making an impression, <laughs> right? Because here you are with with you know four or five six guys in a collar and a significantly sized box to set up a bar and instead of feeling embarrassed because father winslow never feels embarrassed um instead of feeling embarrassed he picks <laughs> up the box <laughs> he picks up the box and walks out he, he says to the guy behind the counter see you next week <laughs> exactly <laughs> i do remember that now it was the that best. That was my line. introduction to the ABC story. Yeah, I'm the new pastor. I'll be here. See you next See week. See you next week <laughs> as we walk out with a cart. Oh yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I noticed, or I, I've been attentive to recently, in the prayers at mass. Sometimes that's referred to in theological circles as eucology. Mm. The that's a, the the study of of prayers. But I've noticed in the prayers at mass a reference to our Lord as His Majesty, that royal reference. And it makes sense this time of year, mm-hmm. especially since um, we've celebrated the Feast of Christ the King to end the previous liturgical year. So that sense of moving toward the kingdom of God where our Lord is Prince and King of that of that new realm. So what struck me more recently is I... I found myself intrigued with some of these Asian dynasties, um, and in particular with their a, a desire to see something divine in a princely figure. And then I contrast that with what I know about some of the Western sovereigns and our understanding of divine right, divine right monarchies coming out of the um, the Middle Ages and, and that way. There was also not something divine, but at least the divine right monarchy was the notion that at least the hand of God wanted that person governing, right. you know, that monarch governing. There was some connection there. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, prescinding from political theory and uh, the blending of theology and governance, kind of separating those things out, um, or just kind of separate, not really entering into those things. The tendency or the, the, the human tendency or the notion to ascribe something close to the divine with royalty, I, and now seeing these prayers and recognizing these prayers, I find it all very fascinating because I don't think that we think, generally speaking, of God and our Lord so often in majestic terms. I think the tendency of the modern era is to think of God in more um, spiritual language, uh, more um, communal language, but not as your majesty. Yeah. Uh, recognizing the dignity, the nobility of the one with whom we're engaging. I don't know. I, I I'm just I'm struck by it because it seems to me that there's something woven into our human nature that desires this or is oriented toward it, and we see it satisfied in the fulfillment of divine revelation and the person of Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father 
as the king of the universe. And this is not just sort of flowerly language. Yeah. This is what we talk about as a reality. Uh, for people who don't like royal, you know, the, 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 the whole royal phenomena, you're going to have to get over it relative to God because <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, there is a sovereign in heaven, yeah. right? There's no democracy. There is no democracy. There is a sovereign. And uh, there's no escaping that. Uh, I think you're right. And I think that in the, the general movement toward egalitarianism in such a way that we would, we all want equal opportunities, right? And then that sort of begins to transfer into equal outcomes which is a huge problem, right? Because it's not a merit system, it's not a hierarchical system, and everything down to the smallest microbe in creation has always created hierarchies. And there's a reason for that, because there is a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy to being, and there's a hierarchy um, inside of heaven itself. And you want, there's something that we long for about having that noble king, that to serve a lord, you know, we, we call him Lord all the time, mm-hmm. but I think it's been evacuated of its context and, it, and, it, and its meaning. Like, do you ever think about him being a Lord when you say the word, oh, my Lord, or, oh, or Lord, help me with this? You don't think about him as being your Lord insofar as a king. Um, and I, that, that thought struck me tremendously when I first went into seminary um, because I was looking for an image in some ways to replace the image that I had gotten growing up. Because the image I had gotten growing up was that Jesus was basically... Um, the friend. A friend. and But a friend that never really asked you to do anything and didn't really have any problems with anything you did. And who wore really bad... The friend of, who was there for you. Yeah, if you wanted him. And you don't have to be there for him. If you wanted him, yeah. You know, he, he never let you down. Right. Um, but, you know, you'd come to him when you needed him. Yeah. And ultimately, he was wearing sort of a, a rather short, cropped sort of rag sack um, thing with a belt and almost sort of Franciscan-esque um, in, in terms of the imagination. And I remember distinctly, um, maybe this is too revelatory, but I remember distinctly sitting out in this field one time and I was looking at the sunset over this, this mountains in Colorado. And... I recalled my impression when I was a boy of Aslan, you know, being this this lion that was the king. You, there are a lot of people that haven't. Yeah. Read. So the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. he has. It was made into a movie not long ago, but it Chronicles of Narnia were, were children's stories, but they're not just children's stories. They're certainly stories for adults too, um, in which these kids get pulled out of our world into a different world, and they meet this lion. And this lion um, can talk, and so can the animals, etc. But what's interesting about the lion is that, of course, the lion is Christ in a different world. And his name is? His name is Aslan. That's who you're um, referencing. And the, the line uh, that is throughout the, the book is that Aslan is not a tame lion, but he is good. And those two things kind of go together. And so I've been thinking about this relative and never made the connection when I was a kid that this even referred to Christ. Hmm, interesting. And thinking to myself that I never liked the image of Christ that I was given. And so even when I went up to receive first Holy Communion, I pretended that it was Zeus up there, like giving me a lightning bolt. <laughs> well, that's interesting. <laughs> because I, I wanted something that was more powerful right, right. than me, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the thought about 
that line from, about Aslan that he's a he's good, but he's, he's tame, but he's good. He's not tame, but he's good. He's not tame, but he's good. So you're scared on the one hand to be in his presence, but he's good. And so you don't have to be at the same time. That difference between fear of the Lord and his majesty um, and the fact that anything he wills is going to be good. Long story short, um, I end up in this place, in this field in Colorado and all of a sudden I had the distinct impression that the Son of God was next to me. Hmm. Never happened to me before in my life hmm. when I was a kid. And I didn't turn... He was on my left side in my own mind. Mm-hmm. And I didn't turn because I had such a sense of his majesty. Interesting. And I was so afraid, A, of what I had thought about him before and the way I had treated him, but the sense of the weight of his majesty, of his glory. And certainly it wasn't an experience like John on Patmos where he sees Christ, whom he had known so well. And he is... is, is Clothing is like wider than a fuller's lie and light and, and, and lightning coming out of him, as it were. And, and he's afraid. His friend throws his face down on the ground until Christ touches him and says, don't be afraid of his eye. Um, and then interpreting that scene that happened to me, it completely transformed my thoughts about Christ. And all of a sudden it matched up with what I loved about Aslan. Mm. Never having known that Aslan was Isn't a figure of Christ. Yeah. So I, I, I resonate with that completely about his majesty. Because I always do think about his majesty from that moment on. You know, I, I, can, I can see why. I, 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 well, first of all, I would say as a methodolog- methodological note, this is a perfect example of how you and I, we have conversations and we just circle something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like I meandered and wandered in a circle when I queued up that topic. <laughs> You always would queue them up, though. Yeah, well, but it's the reason why I'm I'm speaking kind of in a circle is because I, I'm, you see something. I'm thinking. I see something. See. I'm thinking out loud, and, yeah. and talking with you about it. So this is, uh, you know, to be sure. If someone says to say, "Well, he's not really teaching that point properly," well, I, no, I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really not. We're not teaching at all. <laughs> no, we're. This is the whole ethos of this uh, podcast. We're, we're having a conversation, and it's just something that struck me. And as you know, certain things can strike us at certain times in different yeah. ways. And they become illuminating. And you say to somebody, oh, did you ever think about that? Yeah, of course I've thought about that. But it, somehow it hits you mm-hmm. in a way that, that you can't really articulate. Not that you see it better or more, but it's having an impact. Yeah. And that's something you can't translate, right? You, you can say to somebody, yeah, of course, he's, he, he's the Lord of all. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, of course, he is His Majesty, uh, but uh, it, it, do you get it? Do you truly resonate with that reality? And the more you resonate and comprehend that reality, the the more and more you're you're kind of saying, you know, you're nudging your friend, saying, "Did you do you see this? Did you get that?" Yeah, no, that's a good point. It, I wonder if we could flip it over for a second. In other words. We spoke last time about those kings that didn't get on with their spiritual life. Hmm. And so they were stuck. They weren't allowed. Since they made God wait, God right. now makes them wait right. as sort of their punishment uh, before they go up to purgatory. Um, I wonder what it's like to be a king. I mean, we have some saintly examples, right? Louis, St. Edward, St. Louis. Yeah, and by um, the way, he's one of my grandfathers. He's not your relative. No, he is. Just because it's you do a DNA test and you find out it's that you've got French proven. blood does not it mean that you're related to St. Louis. Proven. Winslow 
the Windsor yeah. family. This is why he's now interested in, in royalty, in royalty. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I do anticipate a certain amount of some. Yeah, we're in an interregnum right now, though. There's no king on the throne. Um, but what was it? The saints that we do have that were kings, like we read the, in the breviary. Mm. If you're a priest or deacon or, or Elizabeth if you're a lay person, you read the breviary, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Hungry. They typically will give us a letter or something that they write that they wrote. The most beautiful one, of course, is St. Louis to his son. Right. And of course, St. Louis's spiritual director and confessor was St. Thomas Aquinas. Of Thomas Just Aquinas. getting that in there. That's true. Um, so that means he didn't that do, my he was patron, not very successful at the, at the uh, Crusades. My patron. Apparently. Well, that's fine. His success is different. But right? that's true. Have, but a beautiful letter from one of my grandfathers to his son, another. But of my it does mean that my patron was over your patron. Yes. Just say it. Yes. Um, well, there there is that. <laughs> so. But you are definitely, but he's definitely not one of your grandfathers. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But his spiritual father. Yeah. Um, you see in those letters that they realize that they're stewards. You know, like they might have the title king. Right. But kind of like Lord of the Rings, Jarrah Tolkien, he's got that steward of Gondor. He's not the real king. And you have to, you have to give way when the real king shows up. Um, that every one of us on whatever level that we have any authority is a steward. And the reason I say flip it over, don't you think that the reason that we sort of want to be able to have the noble king and we want to use terms like lord and majesty and everything else is because we realize that I, I don't I don't want to rule everything. Hmm. I'm not capable of ruling everything. Matter of fact, I find that to be terribly burdensome. But to know that you had someone up there that you could actually serve it, I think it's hitting upon something in our nature, the, the very way in which we've been made to just do that. We've been made to serve the highest king with the knowledge that the king, if we serve him well, is the one who then girds himself and has a sit at table, mm-hmm. you know, and serves us. But I don't want the responsibility of running everyone else's life. You might think I do. Oh, because you do. <laughs> <laughs> at least around here you do. Which well, is that's why, my job here. Which is why I only visit. <laughs> but, you know... So you know how people are, they feel honored when they can say, oh, you know, this famous person is my friend yeah. or this, just like I said, you know, I'm these, these, these kings were, yeah, exactly, where my girlfriend. There's a certain sense of being honored by it. Mind you guys, just you should know that in his office where he tries to run everyone else's life um, in the diocese, <laughs> um, he has a massive picture he had painted, Van Gogh, right? It's El Greco, El Greco, El Greco of St. Louis. It's a devotional. To tell everyone basically that this is my grandfather. It's he's holding a scepter. So you know. And he's and with his son next to him. It's a devotional. Thank you very much. And that son is your father, probably. They're all my grandfathers. <laughs> so yes, uh, it's a devotional. My father was very pleased uh, to, to that see you that got the family there. tree in there. Yes, he's very proud of that. I don't know who grafted that onto there, but he's very proud of that. My mother will be the first to point out the fact that. Uh, it's by no merit of his that he has a saint in the family. <laughs> but all right, sanctity so, does not get passed down the bloodline. No, it does not. It does not. So okay, so we're honored, like when we know famous people, and we, we say, well, you know, so and so is connected to so and so. We do this always in the fabric of society and in our social lives, and we have just an intuitive sense that the, the, the glory of that person is going to flow onto us. But when it comes to uh, God and approaching him and his majesty 
what is so attractive is to recognize that the place that he's afforded us is to be a noble in his court. Yes, yes. And that is an elevation from what we intuitively sense is our natural state. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about that, 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 that implication of royalty and the nobility that is bestowed upon yes. us that we react to and respond to and are drawn toward in part because we're recognizing that on a natural level, it's not ours, mm. but it is a gift to us. And to be able to claim, I am part of this noble yes. royal court. Yes. And we've got to reclaim that. I mean, liturgically, we've tried to reclaim it, right? We certainly have in this diocese in mm-hmm. many ways, try to make sure that what we're doing with the king liturgically has that sense of nobility. Um, because we're ushered into those things. And if you think about the words that we now use sort of post-Vatican II relative to the faith, we often talk about them as the, those who, who enjoy enjoy the royal priesthood. Right. We don't say the um, indentured servant priesthood. Um, right, right. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> it's a nobility, right. Well, that's it, exactly. That is us. That's true. No, it's true. You know, and I want to say, too, um, that that tendency or that natural attraction toward that sense of nobility in a human sovereignty or a human mm. monarchy um, is fraught with problems. You know, it makes no sense that, you know, the royal family of England or the royal family of this country, or for that matter, the royal family of these these Asian empires, you know, throughout the ages, that they are somehow more dignified than any other person or that they um, earned or merited anything. Uh, they're just born. Yeah, they might not have merited, but they were supposed to keep the the Ariste, right? I mean, they were supposed to translate the excellence. They were. Of, and, but, and, 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 and to be able to embody that, because we all do need to but so often they didn't. Sure, no, you know they no did the precise opposite. I mean, they did really the opposite. I mean, if you look at the if you look at their lives, I mean, on display. I mean, this is the problem. Oftentimes. And this is the tension, right? They would, you know, people who would be born into a royal family would complain they're not free to be who they want to be, and at the same time, would have all these they'd be showered with all these trappings and influence and so on and so forth. But at the same time, the people demanded something from them. Yeah. And they wanted to see, as you say, the, the excellence. Or even the just dignity. they want to see a show of power, a show of good right. governance or whatever. Benevolence. I mean, it's true. We, it, but we cannot live without it. Right. It's, it's, it's woven into us. But the right end is the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is the right end. But without God, look how violent and hideous it looks yeah. in human history. In human history. Uh, because it turns into, you know, um, either... Uh, very egocentric, um, condescending type well, of an atheist state is is ultimately a, a self deification state. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks the same way. It just in different shapes and, other and people contours. are just completely disposable. Yeah, but it, but I I just want to make sure it's clear out there that I'm not saying that I I'm not making any claim on um, you know the, the goodness of of royal families. Oh, I'm all about monarchies. I'm. Totally into monarchies. So. Well, well, that's why you're going to um, surrender yourself to my my to royal rule. lineage <laughs> through the Plantagenet. My noble liege. Yes. No, it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, does anything inspire 
And it, again, because it doesn't become incarnate, because we haven't experienced it, doesn't mean it's not real. Because it's pointing, it's like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It's pointing at something that is real, which is the heavenly court. But separated from that reality, yeah. it can rot. So why do you love Cinderella? Like, why do you love, why do, why do the stories about, about um, paupers being raised up to princesses and proper kings and heavily, uh, living ever, ha- happily ever after? And why does Disney um, take the Stein and place it in the middle of, mm-hmm. of Florida or California or wherever and say, wow, isn't this, doesn't this draw people? It does. Even if... Ludwig, who built Neuschwanstein, was a complete, <laughs> I think it was a rather big, crazy man. But nevertheless, it you looked up to the castle. Like you looked up to these things and said, I want to be part of something because you're made to be, as you said, um, part of the noble court. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, that's a really, I think the right exercise is to say, okay, when I, you know, I look at uh, royalty um, and sovereignty and say everything that is extraordinary about that, take it and apply it to God. And then recognize that you've been invited to be a part of his noble court. Yes. I mean, and that's, and, and that's the thing that when we talk about looking at the dignity of other people, you know, regardless of their state in life, and this is kind of where you rail against the whole notion of, People, some people being better than other people, right? Like noble, nobility being better than serfs, you know, that kind of thinking, we would say, no, that's an absurdity. Yeah, it's not mer- because it's gonna, it's, it has to be merit-based. Right. But, and in this case, we're talking about the level of dignity imparted by God. Yeah. All of you are called to be nobles in that royal court. Right, right, and right, your right. rank among them is going to be much, it's going to be discerned to a far greater degree regarding your general your goodness and your response to grace than anything to do with the state into which you've been born in this world or in yeah. this life or in this society. But you know, when you approach people and have conversations with people, I think it would be interesting as a as an exercise as a Christian just to to say, all right, this is an acre of God's sovereign kingdom. And this is the noble entrusted with that land. Mm. Who are you? Who are you? And every person then becomes, you know, cloaked in that majesty. And how do you how do you treat the people that you, quote unquote, subjects, but the ones you ultimately serve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think it's it's interesting that that because this is in the human heart, because we gravitate toward it in fairy tales and everything else, and and you you can't really eradicate it. it it's that which creates it, sort of the romance of. Of, of who you actually were made to be, mm-hmm. this Cinderella story. I mean, um, and at the same time, instead of eradicating, as we tend to do now, um, the authorities, the, 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 the pageantry, the, the royalty, whatever else, instead of just like getting rid of them, which is what we do now, um, holding them to what they're supposed to be mm-hmm. um, and demanding it in some mm-hmm. ways of them, which also means a kind of pietas, that I, I recognize that as a Catholic, this probably was one of the great things about having a Catholic nation in some ways, is that as a Catholic, I will, I will give you the deference that you, you are due as the ruler of this, of this land, knowing that you're a steward under God. But we're both going to kneel down at the same altar rail to the King of Kings. Right. I mean, what a leveling playing field that was. Brad Singer talked about this as the level of playing field being the confessional line. Yeah. yeah. You know, that you would have the, the movers and shakers of a town yeah. with 
the, with the least influential standing in the same line. Yeah. And so, in other words, to I guess you could say that the, the same line as Augustine, you could say as a king. Like, with you, St. Augustine says, I am a sheep, but for you I am a shepherd. Yeah. And the faithful should make their shepherds, whether they be secular or ecclesial, um, they should hold them up in honor. But that honor means be what you're made to be right now. Like, this is the role you've been given. And do it with the kind of ability. I'll do my role right now, because I might be in your place someday. (laughs) I might be the one who's the shepherd. Mm -hmm. Um, But wherever I am right now, to be noble in that field... Right to rise to the occasion, and be authentic. Yeah, you know, and and that's the 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 you know the the great reversal there of, or is he mean counterly intuitive, uh, which is the um, oh, the, the 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 greatest of all is the servant of all. Right, you know, to to ascend is to descend. Yep, and it's it's that paradox uh, where that. That nobility is found ultimately in a nobility of love, and uh, in any event, uh, without without going too far, because I know we're kind of running to the the end of things, and it's not uh, the right moment to start swirling around another topic. We'll do that next time. Yes, we should talk about love, but we should. I am the doctor of love, right? No, th- that's true. That's what they always make fun of me as. And so doctor your doctor Thomas understanding of divine charity. Yes, because those who study. Uh, don't even finish that sentence. <laughs> so, before we go... Can't. <laughs> some of you are going to go out and get trees. Yes. I have two things I have to say. What do you mean going to get a... Some of us have already gotten Some a tree. have already gotten trees. Please, for the love of God, mm-hmm. let it be real. <laughs> right? And number two, no uh, bluish kind of garish white lights. Oh, those they are They have horrible. to be soft. Yeah. They have to be flame-like, right? They have to be... Incandescent. It, I mean, ex- absolutely. You have to look. The LEDs have not arrived. Rare, They're getting closer. Rare is the LED that has that warm... Those kind of lumens. ...flame-like color. If you want to create the atmosphere, oh. it's got to imitate fire. Don't set your tree on fire, but you've got to imitate it. Uh, I, that's I'm, all I'm saying before we go. I'm in agreement. Oh, that's, that's a really good one. Uh, for me, it's also about scent. You know, I love the pine scent. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's my pine cones as you came in. The pine cones, <laughs> the candle. I'm all, I'm all into the diffuser I'm happy with too. This, you know, this yeah, new yeah. modern fangled thing where you're diffusing. Basically, it's a humidifier with oil in it. Oil in it, right? So give me some pine oil on that thing. And it just smells so beautiful and lovely. It's Do you really remember, you remember once, uh, we'll end here, but once we were living in a rectory together at St. Thomas, as many of you know, and... We had a tree that was so old and dead, but we refused to take it down. It was almost March. And so, so we just loved the Christmas tree. So, so it was we beautiful went out light bought, in the morning. We went out and bought pine spray. It kept spraying right. the tree. <laughs> so it would smell. It would smell. You know, we, and it there turned, were no needles left on it. Oh, gosh. I mean, it would, you, you'd run up and brush against it and a thousand needles would fall. The poor, oh, the poor woman who came in to clean. Uh, we, we, we almost got it to Easter. We did. I yeah. Mean, I think if we put a, a any anything any flame close in 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 seconds in seconds it yeah. would go up gone yeah Absolutely I mean gone. you've seen that here with a fire pit oh went, it's great these we, things go up like that yeah, we have this, all those trees and those high high tall trees and they go up in a second it's a wonder there were more house burnings with with Christmas trees yeah, that's true now don't don't be discouraging people from a real tree though no not because the the modern lighting is so safe yeah. but remember as a kid you touch a bulb and you burn yourself it's true. 
I mean, how many cats, you know, uh, have burnt hoofs because they touched her? They, you know, remember the cats? I do. They would, they would go at it and they get burnt. But two as a kid, I would touch them. I know. I remember the, the bubble one. Remember the bubble one? The bubble what? The the, the, the liquid inside would bubble up. Oh, and the, yeah. And the, they're in the, selling those again. Are they really? Saw them in the store. They're probably retro now. Yeah, they're retro. Yeah. No, those are kind of fun. It, as, a, as a kid, we had tinsel. Did you do tinsel? It was so stupid. Tinsel. Tinsel. I mean, it was so much fun, though. I, I hated it. The cat would eat the tinsel and then recycle it. Yeah, well. I mean, that's, that was another issue. <laughs> With these noble thoughts. Yes. We'll let yes. you all go. Yes, we'll let Have you go. Have a great week. God all right, sounds you. good. Makes me wanna scream. Thanks for listening to this episode of From the Rooftop. For updates about new episodes, special guests, and exclusive deals for From the Rooftop listeners, sign up at rooftoppodcast.com. And remember, for more great ways to deepen your faith, check out all the spiritual resources available at tanbooks.com. And we'll see you again next time. From the Rooftop. Rooftop.